Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian, philosopher, and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. You know, I've been itching to do an episode on this. The criminal mind. You know, most of us are decent, what Mr. Hubbard refers to as social personalities. We make mistakes. We can get quite timid about expressing ourselves sometimes and or fessing up to our screw-ups. But essentially, we want to survive, and we want everyone else around us to survive as well. It doesn't particularly give us pleasure to know that our survival might come at the cost of the survival of others. I mean, let's say you fell in love with a pair of sneakers, and then you were about to pay for them, and someone told you that small children are being forced to manufacture these sneakers, and most of them suffer terribly in the process, and they get very descriptive about it, and you say, oh, well, and then buy them anyway. No, you probably won't. You'll probably be quite turned off of those sneakers. And I'm not saying that this is what happens. I'm not an authority on sneaker manufacturer, but I'm just making a point. Social personalities are social. They want to win, but they want to see others win too. And one of our liabilities is that we like to think that that is the way that everybody thinks. And I'm going to have to try and break this to you gently, but that isn't the way it is. There is a percentage of the population who don't think like you and I do. Their concept of survival is through evil, through harming others, doing others in. Now, that may be a hard pill to swallow, and if you think that that can't be, then I want you to think of the atrocities being committed daily that the merchants of chaos love to put on the front page, or these days, I guess, you know, put in the news feeds for Yahoo or whatever news feeds you're following, right? You see these kinds of crimes being committed on people, the missing children and women whose uh, bodies turn up abused and mutilated. You know, who do you think perpetrates that? The atrocities of war, genocides. Really, you think people like you and I perform these acts? No. If we're going to succeed in this world, we need to be aware that there is such a thing as a criminal mind. It's a relatively small percentage, but such individuals do exist, and it is unlikely that you're going to build your organization or live through your life without encountering them and to assume that one and all are just like you and me, which is what we tend to do, and overlook evidence staring at us in the face that we have someone in our midst who does not have our best interests in mind, and we don't get into it with them. We rationalize it away because we don't want any trouble. And, but that's how you get into trouble. Trust me, that's how you get into trouble, by trying to avoid trouble, by observing indications that somebody is trying to do others in and then ignoring those indicators and making it all understandable to yourself because they're probably just misunderstood or whatever the heck is going through your mind. No. Confront this concept that there are those who have what Mr. Robert here calls a criminal mind. It's easy to fall for the explanations they'll give you. They'll tell you that, you know, oh, well, you know, it's a misunderstanding or it's somebody else's fault or they were circumstances outside their control or what have you, it's explanation after explanation. But, you know, you're looking at this thing and it's kind of like your head goes sideways, kind of like, huh, how did this go so wrong? And okay, they give me these explanations, but, you know, I don't know. And I guess so. I guess that's how it is. 
I guess it's okay that they uh, destroyed the machine or threw out that case of expensive supplements that we purchased and we're trying to pilot how we're going to cure our patients with this or that and it gets spoiled somehow or gets left out of the refrigerator or whatever it is and it's like, oh, well, I guess so. But, you know, this kind of stuff just keeps going on and then people are sick around us and then they're cowed or there's all these various indicators that something's wrong. I don't know, there's something wrong. Yeah, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with you because you need to be willing to confront that there is such a thing as a criminal mind. And if you can get your confront in on that, then you have a far greater likelihood of detecting where all this is coming from. After you listen to this episode, I have a suggestion because I'll bet you a box of biscuits, right, that you have experienced several times in your life maybe in your business, maybe outside your business, but you've experienced in your life, you've encountered someone with a criminal mind. And I would like you to do a little exercise after this of really, you know, noting down some of these experiences, write them down on a piece of paper and look them over and kind of go, huh, it's interesting. Yeah, that guy probably had a, you know, had a criminal mind and that's probably what was going on there. You know, and if you can do that exercise and spot a few of these in, in your life, first of all, you'll probably experience a bit of resurgence of your own because a little bit of the mystery is gone and you now have a better understanding of the situation. But also it's good practice. You know, I want you to uh, be willing to look in this direction and see what you see. Okay. So what is this criminal mind? Well, L. Ron Hubbard wrote an article called The Criminal Mind and described it very thoroughly. By learning these characteristics, it can help you a great deal to recognize, avoid, or deal with such people. Now, in our last episode, we went over how you can't be the adverse effect of something that you know the technology of, you can do the handlings for that, and you will use that technology of something. You won't be the adverse effect of it. Well, let's just consider, by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode, I just did a paraphrase of it, but you should certainly listen to it. Really, you could say that I did that episode so that I could do the episode I'm doing with you now. So I would really like you to review it, or if you haven't listened to it yet, listen to it. I can't even remember exactly what I call it, but I think it was like a fundamental that's basic to them all or the basic fundamental of them all or something like that. But you definitely want, it was the episode right before this one, and I would like you to give it a review. But anyway, let's carry on here. So so let's just consider what we're doing with this episode is uh, a first lesson in dealing with the criminal mind and not being the adverse effect of one. And that is so that we can recognize that such do exist and to understand how they think. So here we go. Now, there are two words I want to clear up first. One is overt act. Now, these are technical terms defined by Mr. Hubbard. I'm going to give you two definitions for overt act. There are others, but these are the, the two I'm going to give you fairly elementary definitions, easy to understand. One, an overt act is an intentionally committed harmful act committed in an effort to resolve a problem. So that's uh, from a lecture from October the 27th, 1964. So man has a problem, you know, maybe he's, uh, he's not having intimacy with his wife, hasn't had for several months, and so now he decides, I'm going to solve that problem by going out with another woman or seeing a prostitute or something like that. He's now solved that problem, but it's a harmful act, and he knows it because he's not willing to now go back to his wife and say, look, this is what I did. So he knows it's harmful. It's an intentionally committed harmful act committed in an effort to resolve a problem. So that's an overt act. The second definition here is that thing which you do, which you aren't willing to have happen to you. 
That's from uh, September the 14th, 1960. And that's where that definition's from. And you can use the same scenario. You know, would he like it if his wife was going out on him? Probably not. Uh, you know, the bully who uh, bullies smaller children and so on. Uh, do they want to be bullied? Probably not. So what they're doing with those smaller children is an overt act. And don't think they don't know that. Essentially, they know that. So that's an overt act. The next word we're going to clear up is the word withhold. And Hubbard defines it here from uh, October the 4th, not the same date as the other lecture, October the 4th, 1961. A withhold is an unspoken, unannounced transgression against a moral code by which the person was bound. So anytime you're interacting with others, a moral code is established either formally or informally. Around here in this office, we don't smoke inside. We don't uh, want to promote smoking, and it's uh, unpleasant for others, so we don't smoke inside. So guy goes into the bathroom and has a smoke. Um, he's just violated. He's an, an unspoken, unannounced transgression. Now, he doesn't say anything about it. He, turns a fan on, hopes that uh, no one will detect it. Then somebody comes out later and says, well, somebody's smoking in the bathroom. He's not about to say, yeah, I did. I was the one who did it. No, because it's an unspoken, unannounced transgression against a moral code by which the person was bound. So he now has a withhold, and his life is on a slippery slope. We'll just leave it at that. Definition number two of withhold is always a manifestation which comes after an overt. Any withhold comes after an overt. So there you go. That's from... Uh, August the 7th, 1962, person commits a harmful act, he withholds it. You know, he, he robs a bank, he doesn't go tell everybody, he now has to live this life, uh, you know, trying to get along with his neighbors, knowing he's a bank robber, uh, or a murderer, or a rapist, or, I mean, I'm picking some pretty glaring overt acts, but you can also have overt acts on your, uh, on your kids, you know, you... Uh, and your kids can have overt acts on you. You know, they know that they're not supposed to be out past a certain hour. That's the moral code. That's our agreements. And sneak out the window and come back in. And now they got a withhold. They just committed an overt act. And, well, there starts the, to go the whole ball game. Or you uh, promise that you're going to pick up something from the store and you forgot. And you come home and your daughter asks you about it. And you say, uh, oh, they didn't have any. And don't have the guts to say, you know what, I just clean forgot. And next thing you know, you've got to withhold. So that's the way these overts and withholds work, okay? So uh, simple definitions. All right, with that, let's tackle this article. So it's called The Criminal Mind was published by Mr. Hubbard on the 15th of September, 1981. So he starts the article with a definition. Definition. A criminal is one who is motivated by evil intentions and who has committed so many harmful overt acts that he considers such activities ordinary. See, they do it all the time. It's normal. It's normal to, you know, break the law. You know, it's just normal to go and shoplift, you know. Oh, I need some cigarettes. I know just how to go about it. You know, I've done this many times before. I know how to do it. I know how to grab my food without paying for it. I know how to steal garments from the store. I know how to wear them until, you know, uh, the last minute when I can then bring them back and return them and get a full refund. You know, this little kind of criminal acts, you know, great and small, it's just ordinary because the guy's got a criminal mind. A criminal is one who is motivated by evil intentions 
and who has committed so many harmful overt acts that he considers such activities ordinary. Uh, you can have such a thing going on in your business. You might have a, a, a criminal on your sales lines who thinks nothing of misrepresenting the product, misrepresenting the service, overselling, underselling, you know, and just does it on a chronic basis. And you're always cleaning up his messes and, well, you know, maybe he needs a little more training. I don't understand this exactly. Hey, it's nothing to me. You know, I do this all the time. In fact, everybody does it. It's kind of how they think. We'll get into that later on. He says, the, here's a datum about the criminal, all capital letters. The criminal accuses others of things which he himself is doing. Very interesting. Very valuable. We've all had this experience. Somebody who's chronically being critical of other people, perpetrating overt acts. You know, he's always, you know, uh, misrepresenting the product or he's, you know, and, and you hear this from this guy about everybody, how he's ripping off the customers. Well, you know what? You might want to look into that guy because he may very well be ripping off customers. Mr. Robert gives some examples here. He says, as an example, the psychiatrist accuses others engaged in mental practice of harming others or worsening their condition. You've probably heard this. Yet the majority of psychiatrists maim and kill their patients and by record in all history have only worsened mental conditions. After all, that's what they seem to be paid to do by the government. Hard words, but if you start investigating uh, psychiatry, you'll find out they're absolutely true. Absolutely true. You know, uh, the drugging uh, of children, of adults. The, you know, look at the side effects that are being described for these drugs, even in their advertising. It's like, wow, somebody's going to take that to handle their depression? When it sounds like they're, you know, take that and you could very well go out and murder somebody. And they do. And, uh, you know, what about electroshock treatment? You think it's really healthy for uh, the human brain to be shooting, you know, hundreds of volts of electricity through somebody's skull? No. Anyway, so but then the psychiatrist will accuse others who are trying to do uh, beneficial things of uh, harming others or worsening their condition. Okay, that's just a that's a classic example. Then he goes on to say the psychoanalyst accuses others of sexual irregularities when this is actually his entire profession. How many times have you read about that? And then he gives a historical example here. Jack the Ripper of English fame, who gruesomely murdered prostitutes, now turns out to have been a medical doctor and was undoubtedly of enormous assistance to the police in pointing out the real murderer, quote unquote. Oh, you're going to love this one. This is the FBI. He says the FBI agent or executive accuses others of graft and even sets up Ab scams. Better clear up what an ab scam is. Hold on. So ab scam. Ab scam uh, is a contraction of the word Arab scam. It was a an FBI sting operation in the late 1970s and early 80s that led to the convictions of seven members of the United States Congress, among others, for bribery and corruption. And uh, this is uh, per this article here. The two-year investigation initially targeted trafficking and stolen property and corruption of prominent businessmen that later evolved into a public corruption investigation. The FBI was aided by the Justice Department and a convicted con man, Mel Weinberg, in videotaping politicians accepting bribes from a fictitious Arabian company in return for various political favors. So that's abscam. So Mr. Robert says the FBI agent or executive accuses others of graft and even sets up abscams to manufacture the crime. But an FBI agent regularly pockets money supposed to be paid to informers, and then screams to protect informer sources that do not exist. 
The FBI agent is terrified of being infiltrated and accuses others of it when, as standard practice, he infiltrates groups, manufactures evidence, and then gets others charged for crimes his own plants have committed. The FBI acts like a terrorist group, posing as law enforcement officers. Their targets seem to be legislators and Congress and public individuals who might someday have power over public opinion, such as Martin Luther King Jr. And so he says, and from this, Mr. Robert says, from this, we get another datum, the criminal mind relentlessly seeks to destroy anyone it imagines might expose it. And then he goes on to say, you have to be very alert when criminals are around. You have a criminal in your organization. Trust me, you bring in anybody able, anybody observant, anybody intelligent, anybody that could be a threat, they will be the subject of a sting, a frame, a setup, anything to get that person out of there because they relentlessly seek to destroy anyone it imagines might expose it. And he gives another example. You've all heard of J. Edgar Hoover, the guy who ran the FBI. He says, J. Edgar Hoover, who organized the present FBI and is still deified by it, they have his name in huge gold or brass letters in Washington, D.C.'s biggest thoroughfare in that town. Doesn't he have the names of former presidents up in lights? Has been shown by subsequent records to have been a blackmailer and traitor to his country. He carefully, personally, sat on the information for four months that Pearl Harbor was going to happen. Right up to the U.S. entrance into World War II, he was autographing his photo for pals in the deadly German SS. He even sacked an FBI agent by the name of Turo who dared to catch some German spies. And he goes on, he says, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, and the government form a tight clique. Only the government would support such people as the public hates them. From all this, we get another datum. Here's another datum from Mr. Hubbard. Individuals with criminal minds tend to band together since the presence of other criminals about them tends to prove their own distorted ideas of man in general. Oh, yeah, they're really comfortable when they're hanging out with another band of thieves. You know, when they hang out with criminals, it just validates, see, we are all criminal. It's all fine. It's all normal. They're criminal. I'm criminal. It's totally okay that we do these things. He goes on to say this. He says, it is inconceivable to the criminal that anyone could possibly be decent or honest or do a selfless act. It would do no good whatever to try to convince him, for he knows all men are like himself. Thus, one gets another datum of value. These are, by the way, all capital letters. The criminal only sees others as he himself is. So here's one of the things that's interesting about the criminal. We were talking about the social personality, thinking, well, everybody's social, right? I mean, everybody's a good guy, basically, right? Which, you know, no. Some guys are got criminal minds. Maybe essentially they are good as beings. We can say that man is basically good, but he is covered up, man. He is being dominated by his criminal mind. And one of those characteristics is he sees everybody else as being criminal too. He only sees others as he himself is. And he goes on, Mr. Robert says, one of the reasons he does this, of course, is to justify injuring others because everyone else is useless, worthless, criminal, an animal, and insane. Why then he reasons perfectly all right to injure them. So he thinks, oh, everybody's a dirty, rotten apple like me, so why can't I harm them? They're just a bunch of animals. This is Mr. Hubbard again. Thus we come to another datum. The criminal is not much benefited by the giving off of current withholds and is not likely to reform because of this. Now, 
a social personality feels relief when they get off a withhold. I'm sure all of you have had this experience. You know, yes, mom, I did do it. Whew. You know, you might get punished for it, but even your mom is kind of like, everybody feels kind of relieved because there's truth on the line. Truth is beautiful. Truth, truth solves all things, you could say, right? So when the person finally does get off a withhold, social personality, yeah, I stole the apple or I cut down the cherry tree, you know, then, you know, they feel better and everybody else does. Not the criminal mind. They don't feel any different. Yeah, no, I did it. That's right. You want to know what else I did? I did this too. Yeah. Yeah. I murdered all those people. Yeah. They're all buried in the back lot somewhere. You know, they are sick, man. They're sick. Let's just put it that way. So then Mr. Harper goes on to say the criminal mind is a bitter and unsavory subject. It is, man. I'm surprised you've even listened this far. You know, you might be listening to this whole thing saying, man, he's on a rant today. Listen to him. But I wanted to take at least one episode and just really ram this home because we do need to understand this. We do need to confront this. We do need to see that bad conditions come from bad people and that bad people exist. And that if we don't confront that, we'll never be aware of them. If we're not aware of them, they'll just end up stabbing us in the back. So he says the percentage of criminals, Mr. Robert says the percentage of criminals is relatively small, but the majority of grief and turmoil in the world caused by criminals is the majority percent. So they may not be in the majority. They may be a small percentage, but the majority of the grief we experience comes from them. So you got a lot of grief going on in your company, got a lot of bad conditions, a lot of weird things happening, things going missing, things being stolen, um, doors being left open. Thing, you know, it, you might just be uh, around you might have a criminal mind operating in that business and you better be alert for it. You better be aware of it. And uh, how many members have written me success stories of finally getting rid of that such a loyal employee who always seemed to have your back. Meanwhile, they were stabbing everybody else on the back and that person leaves and suddenly the stats spring up like they were held down by, uh, you know, how coiled spring is. You know, the more powerful the spring, the more it's held down, the more release you get. I just had a, a letter from one of my members the other day talking about how they had sacked two or three different people, then realized that the loyal employee that had been with them all along, who had basically fingered and pointed out the crimes of the others, was the actual criminal. Got rid of her and the stats recovered. Not only that, that they went into an affluence, and a couple of the employees that had been let go magically came back. So don't underestimate this. Uh, I have found in working with the members, the detection of a criminal mind operating in the business or on the periphery where it's directly affecting the business, uh, such as a the spouse, perhaps, of one of the employees or uh, a vendor or a supplier or something like that, you find your criminal mind, you get it off your lines, get it out of your midst, and you will see a resurgence like you seldom see from any other single administrative action. And it is an administrative action. The detection and handling of these uh, type of individuals is an administrative action. Don't call yourself a manager or an administrator if you can't spot, detect, handle, get rid of the criminal mind. 
that's operating in your group. Okay, you're not much of an administrator if you can't do that. Ms. Jabber goes on to say, it is a mind like any other mind, but it has gone wrong. It is motivated by evil intentions, which, even if idiotic, are greater than the possessor's ability to reason. The criminal, even when he seems most clever, is really very, very stupid. The evil intentions get dramatized by senseless overacts, which are then withheld, and the final result is a person who is more dead than alive and who faces a future so agonizing that any person would shudder at it. The criminal, in fact, has forfeited his life and any meaning to it, even when he remains, quote, uncaught, end quote, and quote, unpunished, end quote, for, in the long run, he has caught himself and punishes himself. No common judge can give a sentence as stiff as that. When you understand what the criminal mind consists of, you can also understand how ghastly must be the feelings, or lack of them, with which the criminal has to live within himself, and for all his days, forever. He is more to be pitied than punished, neither bold nor brave, for all his pretense, he is really just a panicky, whimpering coward inside. When he bears his breast against the bullets, he does so with the actual hope that he will be killed. Thus, we have another datum. The criminal, no matter what harm he is doing to others, is also seeking to destroy himself. He is in protest against his own survival. You've seen that. You've seen this almost suicidal actions of the criminally insane. They actually want to try and end it because they're in protest against their own survival. And you talk about the criminal who leaves the clues to be caught. And then Mr. Hubbard's final sentence in this article is, Fortunately, there are still a lot of decent people left in the world. L. Ron Hubbard. So, yeah, look, I wanted to give you this episode. I wanted to go over this data for you so that you don't go whistling past the graveyard all the time. And I would be doing a pretty poor job of relaying the Hubbard management system if I did not at least bring up your awareness that there is such a thing as a criminal mind. It can get into your environment, can get into your midst, and if it does, it can create havoc and can be kind of tricky to detect because they'll be accusing others of the things that they're doing and pointing the finger, and they're pretty soulless, you know, pretty, they're capable of anything. It's quite shocking. Like, how could you? You know, you ask yourself, well... They figure everybody is a rat just like them. So why not? You know? All right. Anyway, glad we got that over with. Uh, now you have the episode. And if you haven't listened to the episode before this too, otherwise, I hope you got something out of it. And um, do write us at info at yz2s.org. Leave us your comments. Give us a like if you liked it. Usual things we ask for. And um, thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk again next week.